We are so glad that you joined us today. We know that God wants to do something great in you and through you, and we want to hear about it. So if you can take a moment and share with us your story in the City Chapel app in the Amen Corner. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoy today's message. In John chapter 4, and so um, if you've been with us the past few weeks, you know we've been talking about the woman at the well, been preaching about the woman at the well. That's what Christians call her because uh, the Bible never gives her a name. There's the longest conversation that Jesus is recorded uh, in the Gospels having with an individual um, is with this woman, and we never even get her name, um, only we get her location. Um, but I think sometimes where you are says more about you than what your parents called you. Um, where God finds you says a lot about you. And she's found at a well. She's found at a place because she is seeking uh, water. And she's, she's there at an odd time of day. Uh, and most believe that that's because um, she's trying to avoid the crowds. Um, she, she, she's trying to avoid uh, the people from the town. She's there in the middle of the day when, when normally no one would go out to the well. Um, and we, as we read about her, we understand that she has a bit of a, a history. She's been married five times and currently living with a guy who is not her husband. And um, she's, she's probably has uh, full of a lot of shame. And so uh, we, we've been dealing with that, talking about that. Um, but the sermon series, the title is Don't Miss Your Moment. In other words, we believe that there's a moment where God can encounter you, where you can enter into the presence of God, and that moment can change your life. That moment can shift something inside of you. And I really, truly believe that. And I believe that, that, that if you just come to City Chapel, that you are missing out on the purpose of City Chapel. The purpose of City Chapel is that you would meet Jesus Christ, that you would encounter him, that you would meet him through worship, through prayer, through, through singing, through games, through community, through fellowship, through small groups, that's right, through uh, serving uh, moments where we're reaching out to the community. We want you to meet Jesus. That's why the church is called the body of Christ. Because Jesus uh, rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, and yet he left his body on the earth so that the world could still see him, so that the world could still meet him. We are the body of Christ. We are the physical representation of Christ. And when you meet us, you ought to meet him. And if you just meet us and you never meet him, uh, then we're not doing it right. Our job is to reflect. That's what our mission statement is. We're here to reflect the wonder and beauty of Jesus, to reflect it. Uh, not just to receive it, but to reflect it. To reflect means you, it comes to you, but it also bounces off of you to others. Uh, the moon has no light within itself. It reflects the sun. We want to reflect Jesus like the moon reflects the sun. We have to receive from him first. We have to encounter him for ourselves first so that we can then reflect to the world around us. And if we're not reflecting, we're not doing it right. If we're not reflecting Christ, uh, then our religion is useless. If we're not reflecting Christ, then our, our, our profession of faith is pointless. If we're not reflecting Christ, it, it, it has to come to a place where people who meet you, who see you, who know you, come to know Christ because they know you. And this is not just a heavy burden that we carry. This is our joy to receive Christ and to reflect him, to receive him and to reflect him. And as we reflect him, we watch the renewal of our city, which is the other part of our mission statement, that we would join him in the renewal of our city. So, so we have to receive, reflect, and renew. We have to receive, reflect, and renew uh, the city. Renew means make it what God intended it to be in the first place. 
We're not against the city of Austin. We're not against Austinites. We're not against people. We want to see people restored and renewed into their original purpose. And uh, that works as a preacher, of course, but I believe that it's not just for preachers to desire those things. I believe that, we're, that that's really what we're doing. We're gathering a church of people who want to receive, reflect, and renew. They want to receive, reflect, and renew. And so uh, that's my invitation to you to join me uh, on this journey of receiving from him, reflecting him, and watching the renewal of God happen in our city. And this story, this Bible story, is a wonderful template of that. You have a woman who is full of shame. You have a woman uh, who, who is stuck uh, and is thirsty and is, and, is, and is dry and is looking for fulfillment. And then you have Christ who shows up and he sits by the well. And we, we actually spent a lot of time talking about how Christ sat by the well and waited for this woman, waited for her to come. And so she finally comes to him, and he engages her in a conversation um, about water, but it's not really about water. He's actually talking about something spiritual. And this, by the way, is, is uh, John's sort of system. John, the gospel writer, uh, sets up in chapter 2, chapter 3, and twice here in chapter 4 these conversations that people have with Jesus where they are talking about something physical, and he is talking about something spiritual. They are talking about a physical need. He's trying to get them to see a spiritual reality. Because the most important thing about you is not what happens on the outside. It's not what you're wearing on the outside. It's not how well you are doing on the outside. The most important thing about you is what is happening on the inside. Because even like you can, like, you can be doing well on the outside. You can, you can be doing fine. You can be doing better than you've ever done on the outside. But if on the inside you don't have peace, if on the inside you don't have joy... It doesn't matter how many, how many shopping sprees you go on. If on the inside you are missing fulfillment and joy, you're never going to feel it. Because everything we feel, we feel on the inside. Everything we know, we know on the inside. Everything we believe, we believe on the inside. And, and, so, and so the purpose of life is, is not so much the physical needs that we have. God is concerned about our physical need, but he's primarily concerned about our physical need because he wants to use our physical need to bring us to a spiritual reality. So many times we, we come across physical needs, right? Sickness and, and lack of finances and, and uh, stress and, and all kinds of things that are physical needs. And we bring those needs to God and God wants to meet those needs. But really, he wants to meet those needs so that he can reveal something to you about your spiritual condition. He wants to talk to your inside. He wants you to have something on the inside because actually when you have something real on the inside, when you have God on the inside, that's when it doesn't matter what's going on around you. Your, your, your entire world can collapse. Your, your, your house can flood and you can live in a shack for a year. I don't know anybody that actually did that, but you can, you, you can live in some of the most dire circumstances and difficult situations if you have peace on the inside. And it doesn't feel like it costs you a lot. It doesn't feel like it's the worst thing in the world. This is amazing how, how, how the woman looks like she's got it all together, right? She comes to the well. She looks like she is doing well at the well. And Jesus is, is sitting at the well, and he's thirsty. He's parched. He's wore out. He looks homeless. He looks like he's not well, even though he's at the well, and he actually is a well. So what's so strange about this whole scenario is that the woman looks like she's got it together, but she's really broken and crushed inside and hungry and thirsty and jesus looks like he's a poor beggar but he's really rich and full of life 
And this, that, that's the power of what happens on the inside. That's the power of what happens when you receive the power of God on the inside. Not just, not just clean up your clothes, not just look like a Christian, act like a Christian, talk like a Christian. But when you actually receive something on the inside. And, and so that, that brings me back to this passage where, where Jesus says to her. And this is the passage that we hung out uh, for the past few weeks. Jesus said, lady, if you knew the gift of God and if you knew the one that was speaking to you, you would have asked of me, give me a drink and I would have given you living water. And so the woman says, sir, you have nothing to draw with. You have no bucket. You, you like, she's, she's looking on the outside. And what looks like a deficiency on the outside, because it is, I mean, he's at the well without a bucket. The well was, uh, right now, it's 75 feet deep, Jacob's well. They believe it was about 100 feet deep prior to this, 100 feet before you hit water. So, so <laughs> unless you got go-go gadget stretch arms, like, you're telling me about water, you don't have a bucket. She's, she's looking at the outside. She's looking at his deficiency. Why would you show up to a well without a bucket? Unless you're going to wish in it. It's not a wishing well. <laughs> Throw your coin in there. Why are you going to a well without a bucket? That's pointless. Like, you're, you're, just, you're sitting by the smell of water, but you don't have any way to actually get it to you. She says, me, on the other hand, I'm prepared. I came to the well. I brought my own bucket. I'm not looking for a handout. I'm not relying on charity. I got this. I got a bucket. Sir, you don't even have a bucket. So where are you going to get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us his well, drank from it himself as well as a whole bunch of other people? Jesus said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him, this is key, the water that I shall give him will become in him. Will become in him. The water that I shall give him will become in him. It's nice that you have water out here. Ma'am, it's great that you are able to carry your water and you're able to dip it in there and you're able to bring some water. But, 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 but what I want to do, I don't want to add something to the outskirts of your life. I want to do something in you. I want to put something in you. See, when you have water in you, you don't have to have a bucket to carry around with you. He says, I don't want to do something with, uh, with you. I don't want to give you something else to carry. Christianity is not just more rules to follow or more things to do on your to-do list. He says, I want to do something in you. I want to put the water. You don't need a bucket when you are a bucket. <laughs> See, he says, look, ma'am, you, 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 you are relying on these structures to carry the water for you, I want to put something in you, and when I put it in you, the water that I put inside of you will spring up, <laughs> will spring up into everlasting life, will spring up, spring up, and this might, this might help explain as, as we go down to the passage to uh, verse 27, after Jesus talks with her, has this conversation with her, and she re realizes that he's the Messiah, she realizes that he is uh, what she's been looking for. In verse 27, it says that his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked him, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Uh, and then, verse 28, then leaving her bucket. 
It's interesting because the, the gospel writer didn't have to give us that little detail. But he told us, by the way, she, she left the water jar there. She left the bucket. And then she went back to the town to see the people. Isn't it interesting that the lady who came to the well at a time when nobody else would be at the well because she didn't want to talk to other people is now going back to the people that she was trying to avoid <laughs> to tell them, come see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. She brings the entire town out to see Jesus. In other words, Jesus went to the well without a bucket because he was going to create a bucket. He made her a bucket. He made her a carrier of the water. You don't need a bucket when you are a bucket. She left it. She just left it. She said, well, I guess I don't need that anymore because I have something inside of me. And, 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 and for many of us, this, this concept is so radical, is so new, because we are, we are so used to just carrying stuff. And we see church as another thing for us to carry. We see, we see religion, we see Christianity as another thing, another thing to add to our bucket list. Come on, somebody. Uh, we see, we see, we see, it's, it's, like, it's, like, it's like one more bucket, right? And we get, we get, we get, we get, we get carrying the religious bucket. I've, I've had people come up to me several times and they'll say, hello, my name is evangelist so-and-so. Oh, this, let me, this is my evangelist bucket, Harry. <laughs> my name is prophet so-and-so. I've actually had people whip out cards out of their pocket. They went to Vistaprint and printed apostle on their card in front of their name. I'm like, is that on your birth certificate? If it's not on your birth certificate, it's not going to be on your tombstone. It doesn't need to be on your card. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but no, but, but check it out. I'm an apostle. This is my bucket. Check it out. Look, at this. this is my, I carry it around with me with, with great pride and dignity because this is, this is what, this is what gives me significance. This is what, this is what, this is what, this is what's going to feed me. This is, this is what's going to quench my thirst because I am, I have achieved the role of an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist. Some people, some people carry their, some people carry their testimony around with them like a bucket. You know, like that thing that God did for them 50 years ago. And I was like, well, that's, that's, that's great. But, but that, evangelism is not you taking your bucket and showing everybody what God pouring it out on. Evangelism is when you become a bucket and something starts springing up inside of you, not from 50 years, but from five minutes ago. I can't hold in what God has done for me. I have to tell you about how good he is and how great he is because this wasn't ancient history. This is last week. God was with me last week. This is what God did inside of me and it's springing up. I mean, old testimonies are great and wonderful and he, you ought to hold on to those things. But at some point, I mean, it's got to get in you. It's not just something you carry around with you as a memorized monologue, elevator speech that you drop on somebody. It's something that's welling up inside of you that you can't hold it down. You can't keep it back. 
She doesn't need a bucket when, the, when, when she is a bucket, when the water has been put inside of her. I remember a couple of years ago, uh, Cheryl had, a, I think it was a dream or a spiritual vision. I'm not sure, but she had a, she had a vision of me as a bucket. She said that I was, I was God's bucket and, I, and God, God was dipping me into the water and God, God was going to water a bunch of people. And I, I've kind of always held on to that because I think that's a beautiful picture of what it means to be a minister. But it's not just a full-time minister that's supposed to be a bucket. This lady never got ordained. This lady never went to Bible college. This lady never went to seminary. This, 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 this lady became a bucket, not because of what she learned uh, from, from Old Testament survey and New Testament survey and preaching class, which I, I, I almost flunk preaching class. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> lucky you. Uh, and uh, you know what I mean? Like, I, this, that, this is not, she, was, she wasn't crowned with, with some denomination seal of approval and stamp of them and ordained with them. And she had no papers. She had no ordination. But she was a bucket. She became a bucket. And, and it's not just for the pastor to be a bucket. I believe we've got several buckets here. <laughs> we got, we got buckets. When you, when you drove up, you met, you met a bucket in the parking lot. It helped you park your car. When you walked in, a bucket walked you to your seat. We have buckets watching our kids right now, teaching them about the love of Jesus, pouring out to them the love of Jesus. Because they didn't come to receive. They came to reflect and renew. <laughs> We got we got buckets serving up coffee and donuts. We got buckets. We got we got buckets working to merge for mission day. We got buckets up here playing drums and guitar and, and singing. We got we we, we 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 got buckets ironing ironing boards and all sorts of other things. I mean, like, but that's the purpose is that you would become a bucket. If you just keep receiving, Jesus, I just want to receive, receive. No, 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 no. You've been you've been filled up. So that something can get inside of you. And when that something gets inside of you, it comes out of you. It springs up. It springs up. I don't know if you know the old song, but I got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors. Sets the captives free. I got to spring up a well. Yeah, we went back to the 80s. All you 90s kids don't know nothing about that. That's back when Christian music was awful. But man, we had that one song. (laughs) We had that one and it's actually biblical. It was actually, because that's what God wants to do. He wants to put inside of you a spring of living water. He wants to create us to be buckets. He wants us to, and, 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 and he sends his buckets out to the places where they came from. He doesn't send his buckets out to some far away, some, I mean, God does send out missionaries and he calls them to do that. But ultimately, the lady went back to where she came from. She went back to where she came from. She encountered the people that she was afraid of. She, the people that she was so sure were against her, the people that she was so convinced were anti her. Those are the people that she went to. In other words, you're never going to be a bucket until, until you allow yourself the, the freedom of, of being rejected. You're never going to be God's bucket until you go to the people who you think will reject you. And look at her message. She's not even the greatest evangelist in the world. She says, could this be the Messiah? She's not like, I know that I know that I know. I believe. I receive. I know. She's not certain. She's not like she's still kind of like, 
Actually, in the original language, it says, this could not be the Messiah, could it? Like, she's not 100% sure on this guy. All she knows is what she has received and how she's been changed, and that is springing up outside of her. You don't have to have, like I said, a doctorate degree in theology to be a bucket. You just have to have something that's springing up inside of you. And I think that's, that's encouraging for us as, as people, as individuals. It's also encouraging for all the fathers around here. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to have a... a they, they don't even give out degrees for being a dad. That's, that's how unprepared the educators are to even try to educate you on how to do this. In one of the most important positions you'll ever hold. But there's no training. Why? Because, because being a dad is not about saying the right thing at the right time. Being a dad is not about, uh, it's, it's not like counseling school where you go in and you figure out how to get people to share about their feelings. Being a dad is something different than that. It's something that God does inside of you. A father's, that's why they call it father's heart. Uh, the, the Hebrew word, I, I heard somebody say one time that the Hebrew word for father uh, has a, carries with it a, a, a connotation of the one who gives significance. The one who gives significance. Not the one who gives wisdom. You say, I'm not very smart. You don't have to be. <laughs> I mean, work on it, but... <laughs> completely you let yourself go yeah i mean you know youtube university you say i'm not very smart okay fine you don't have to be one who gives significance not one who gives finances uh in our culture we've uh, we've especially in in the western culture we've we've basically narrowed down what it means to be a dad to you know well you, you put a roof over your kid's head you put food in their bellies and you put clothes on their back and then check i'm done i'm a dad well, yeah, I mean, that's good if you can afford those things. But what about the dads who can't afford those things? Are they worthless? I talked to a dad one time. He'd been unemployed for like three months, and it wasn't looking any better because he had this back injury, and he, didn't have, and, and he just felt like such a loser, such, so, so, so unable to be the man that he said he was supposed to be. And I said, who told you that that was what it meant to be a father? Where did you learn that? Did you read that? Did God tell you that? Oh, your culture told you that. That's what your dad told you. That's what his dad told Because on the one hand, it's really great. If you can provide those physical things, then you can feel like, well, <laughs> I'm going to get my best dad in the world mug and sit down on the couch, prop my feet up, watch TV, because I just, I just, there's a roof, and there's clothes, and uh, there's Nikes. The kid just got some new Nikes and uh, some Air Jordans, and, you know, and there's food. So I'm good. So on the one hand, it's great if you can do that, pat yourself on the back and feel like you've, you've accomplished this wonderful thing. And it is good if you can do that. But there are many dads who don't, A, have enough money to do that very well or have enough time to make enough money to do that very well. And, and they're almost stuck in the cycle of, well, I'm just not, I'm just not measuring up. Well, the truth is that there's, there's, there is no commandment that you, ought, that you have to do that. 
because a lot of it comes back to the way that we see God our Father, that we see him as this, as this you know, God of retribution. He's up there, and he's sort of obligated to you know, keep a roof over our head, take care of us physically, but he's not that happy about us. But the, the truth is that what it means to be a father, as well as the heavenly father, is the one who gives significance. Significance. Who gives value. That flows out of you. That's simply you giving you. That's simply, God, God, God has sent a bucket to your family, dads, and, and it's, it's got your name on it. God has sent a bucket to, to our spouses, and it's got our name on it. God has sent a bucket to our kids, and it's got our name on it. And when we're too busy trying to make money to get clothes and food and stuff, a lot of times we miss what they really are after. They're not after another bucket. The home is supposed to be a place where one bucket generates another bucket. And we teach our kids how to have God on the inside. And, we, and we, it's, not, it's, not, it's not like we're, we're brilliant and it's not like we do it right all the time. But, but the significance, the one who gives significance, I remember I shared one time a story about, uh, and I just shared this a couple weeks ago with my kids. I always tell them stories, and they wanted a story about when I was um, seven, I think it was. And so uh, when I was about seven, um, I try to tell my kids that when we were growing up, when I was growing up, we didn't have much money. And I know everybody says that, but, um, you know, we, we, we had some money. Uh, we, 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 we had some money. But there were several nights when we had Kellogg's Corn Flakes for dinner. Um, I don't know if that's just because mom didn't want to cook or I don't know, but I'm just kidding, mom. No, like seriously, like there just wasn't much there. And so I remember, I remember mom saying, oh, we're going to have to have Kellogg's cornflakes for dinner tonight. And uh, we lived um, on the property of the church. Everybody thought we were like pastors or something, but we weren't. We just lived in the parsonage of the church. And in exchange, mom and dad cleaned the church every week along with dad's full-time job. And so there was a season there uh, where, where it wasn't, we weren't, we weren't going out to eat, um, we kind of took care of that later on as I got older, but we, we, weren't, we weren't going out to eat. We weren't buying a lot of stuff. We just weren't. And so my kids, we have family fun day, and on family Friday, family Fleming fun day, because um, I'm a preacher, we got we to alliterate it. And so we always kind of, we either give them like $5 to go spend, or we go do something that costs more. So a lot of times we do the $5, and uh, we go to Walmart, get a little something, something. Oh, like, you know, it's just kind of fun, family fun and, and I never really got to do that when I was seven. And so I was telling them about that, that, you know, dad didn't really get to do that. But one thing we always did on Fridays, because it was payday, um, we went to McDonald's. We got to go to McDonald's. Anybody, anybody remember going to McDonald's back in the day? Yeah. Happy Meals were $1.99. And so that's what we always got, Happy Meals. And um, uh, we would go to McDonald's. And I'm from Port Huron, Michigan, which is right on the, the thumb of the, of the, the knuckle of the thumb of Michigan. And uh, then we would, we would go to McDonald's. We'd grab the, the food. And then we'd go sit under the Blue Water Bridge. We'd watch the boats go by, right? The big old boats. It's, the Blue Water Bridge is what connects America to Canada. And, uh, and we just look over at the lights of Canada. And I would, I would always, I, I've always kind of had wanderlust. And I'm like, man, I wonder what's over there. And when I get big enough, I'm going to drive over there. And all this. So we just sit there and eat and talk, and we never really got out of the car much, but uh, we enjoyed the AC, you know, uh, and so, you know, we just kind of ate and talk and all the kind of thing, and um, 
Uh, I remember they used to have those sets, right? They had those, those, those sets of toys. Like, uh, I think they still do, actually, where they have, like, four different toys. They, they have them on display, and they're like, one week it'll be that, the next week it'll be that, the week after that will be that. So, you know, and so, um, so what it does, it kind of gets kids hooked, right? And so it's like what I do with sermon series. It's like kind of trying to try to copy of McDonald's. And so, uh, you know, you get, you get this, the first toy, and it's always the lamest one first, you know, and it's like, well, that doesn't do much. And, and it kind of builds and builds until the last one is like the really cool one. It's awesome. And so um, I remember, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a planner, so I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a person who looks forward to things. And so I had been really looking forward all week long to go to McDonald's to get that. It was a little blue truck. Um, and it was like the last truck. They had several trucks, but this was like the coolest truck. And so the last, uh, the last day of, the, of that week, so we go Friday, go Friday night. We pull up McDonald's, go through the drive-thru, and um, open up the, the box in the car. Because we were always allowed to eat the fries without praying. I don't know why, but you could eat French fries before prayer. But anything else, you had to wait till after we prayed. So the nuggets, you couldn't have it until after prayer. So, so you... It's rules, man. I don't know why. Mom's here. We can ask mom and dad. They can tell. They don't know. If that was the rule, you could eat the fries. So I still kind of let my kids eat fries because you don't have to bless fries, apparently. You just, they just, they just, they're unblessable. It doesn't matter what you do to them. Even God can't help those things. So, you know, just, just eat them, just deal with it. And so we get in the car, you know, open it up. I'm eating fries. And, and, and I look in to see the truck and it's not there. They've moved on to a completely different toy. I know, it's because McDonald's is the Antichrist. It's the, and, um, and so I don't know if, I, I think it was mom who saw me. I don't know if I just looked sad or disappointed or something, but um, she said, what's wrong? And I said, well, they didn't have the truck and da, da, da. And so dad's like, well, what did the truck look like? And I said, well, it's blue and blah. So dad stops the car and turns around and goes back to McDonald's, right? And so we, we park and dad goes in and I'm, I'm looking. I remember right where we parked and I'm, and I'm, looking, in, I'm looking out the window for dad to come out. It took him like, took him a while. And, um, and he, finally, he, he finally came out and he didn't have anything in his hand. And he said, I'm sorry. They said that they discontinued it in the middle of the week. Like they ran out and so they're on to the next toy. And, and he said, but there is another McDonald's on the other end of town. Um, so let's drive there, right? And so, and, so, and so the whole family, we drive to the other McDonald's. We, we stop there and they don't have it either. And uh, dad comes out empty handed again. And uh, I don't know why I, I always remember that story, but I share that with my kids. I think because, um, because they, yeah, because, well, one, I want my kids to be grateful for $5 at Walmart because that's better than a, than, than a, than a, a toy at, at uh, McDonald's. But, but at the same time, I want them to know that, 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 that that's my heart as well. Uh, that, you, that I might not always come out with the right toy. I might not always come out with what I went in for. Um, but that's not the point. I think I remember it, not because dad got me the toy that I wanted, but because dad tried. You know what I mean? Because there's some dads who have a lot of money, and they don't even try. The kids get what, the kids get what they want. But they've never been told that they are significant. They've never realized that they are worth it. Their dad just said, here, son, here's, here's a bucket. I don't really have time for you, but here's a bucket. I don't really, I don't, I'm not really going to invest in you, but here's a. And we can substitute, we can substitute being a bucket and training our kids and pouring into our kids and valuing our kids. We can substitute with just handing out buckets. 
We give them things to, to make up for the significance that we are not putting inside of them. We're not imparting. And that's kind of what happened here. Jesus is at the end of the story. His disciples return and, and the lady goes out to the town. She becomes the greatest evangelist. And, and the disciples say, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus says, I have food that you know nothing about. And the disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Now, this is the fourth time in John's gospel, four chapters, that somebody is talking about a physical need and Jesus is talking about a spiritual reality. Jesus says, let me explain. My food is to do. My food is to do the will of the Father. Go on. Go on. Go on to the next verse, uh, to do the will of the Father and to finish his work. He says, don't you have a saying? It's four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. Don't you have this saying? It's four months until the harvest. I know we don't have that saying, so it's hard for us to relate to it. Uh, but as far as I can tell, because I'm not even, I don't even know about harvest or planting or sowing or anything like that. I mean, I know like an app on a phone. I got that. But I'm not part of an agricultural society. I didn't grow up on a farm. Many of us haven't lived on dependence on the land. But in that region, most of the, the, the crops they had took about four months from the time that you sow the seed to the time that you reap it. And so apparently, according to Jesus, they had some kind of saying that said, well, I've done the sowing. Now I just have to wait for the harvest, which the harvest is the work. The harvest is the hard part. The harvest is when you get up early, stay up late, and you have to, you know, uh, take the sickle and start cutting everything down. The harvest is the hardest part, but after you've sown, there's this time of rest where you lay back and just kind of wait for the four months. Apparently, there was a saying, sort of like, what's the rush? Where's the fire? You might have heard that if you're somebody who moves fast. I've, no one's ever asked me that, so I have, I have, I have asked several people that. Um, where is the fire? What's the rush? You take your time. Yes, that works. So they had this saying that after they had sown, okay, now we got four months until the harvest. Don't you have a saying it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, let me tell you where the fire is. I, let me tell you where the harvest is. I tell you, to open your eyes, City Chapel. Open your eyes, Dad. Open your eyes, Mom. Open your eyes. Look at the fields, plural. Look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who, even now, even right now while I'm talking to you, the one who reaps gets a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. As the people are coming out of Samaria, Jesus says, I tell you, open your eyes. There are the harvest, plural, the multiple fields of harvest that God is wanting. It's the people. It's not, he says, I'm not talking about literal grass and fields and, and barley and all that. I'm talking about people. People are the harvest and the harvest time is now. You have a saying, where's the fire? Let me tell you where the fire is. The fire is inside of the heart of God for every person that is lost, for every person that doesn't know him yet, for every thirsty person who's relying on a bucket to meet their needs. This is the fire. This is the urgency. This is what the rush is. This is what the importance is. This is why 
We take three days out of the week to go do kids club uh, at River Ridge. And this is why several of us, it wasn't just me. There was, I don't know, probably about 30 volunteers who showed up, 30 buckets who got together in 99 degree weather, Wednesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night, and ministered to 60 kids, 55 kids, and 45 kids each of those nights with 48 kids making decisions to follow Jesus, raising their hand in the middle of a neighborhood. This is the fire. This is the urgency. The harvest time. Time is now. Even now it is. Don't. No, it's not like we God sold this, sowed this seed. Now we got to kick back and wait for him to finish everything. No, the harvest, the work, the time of working is now. The time of working in your kid's life is now. Not when they graduate high school. Not when they get old enough to have the talk or whatever you might want. The time to impart to your children is now. The time to teach them their value is now. The time to spend time with them is now. The time to, to invest in them. The time to pour into them is now. This is the harvest. This is, the, this is your shot. This is your chance. The time is now. Don't miss your moment. Don't, 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 don't miss your moment because that's all life is made up of. It's a bunch of now moments. Says the time is now, and the disciples look up and they see the Samaritans coming. And uh, I like how Stephen, when Stephen Furtick preached it, he talked about how the fact that there was Samaritans and Jews hated each other, <laughs> and uh, how the how the disciples were Jews, and they would have seen the Samaritans coming, and they would have said, "Yeah, Lord, the whole harvest thing is great, but we got trouble." Trouble on the horizon. A bunch of those thugs are coming out of the town. Sychar, by the way, meant drunkenness. So it wasn't exactly a nice place. It, a bunch of them like, Jesus, we got uh, that, that. That's cool. But um, I'm sensing the Holy Spirit that we ought to be moving on. I don't think they're happy. We're hanging out at their well. I kind of, I'm getting the feeling like I'm, I'm on the, I'm on, I'm on nine, I'm on nine mile in Detroit, and this is not looking good, Lord. They're, 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 they're all coming out. I don't think they like me. I know I don't like them. I don't know what's going. On. And and Jesus says, No, I want you to open your eyes and look at the harvest. And they say, Yeah, but there's a lot of Samaritans coming, and this is isn't going to end well. This isn't going to be good. It looks like trouble. It looks like a bunch of problems on the horizon. And Jesus says, exactly. Open your eyes and look at the harvest. Because the harvest will often come to you. Like I said, she went back to the very people she was afraid of being rejected by. The harvest will often come to you with problems, with trouble. The harvest will often clash with your cultural beliefs and standpoints. And actually, with your kids, it'll also look like trouble a lot of times. But, but God doesn't mind. God doesn't mind us when we're when we're when we're addicted to buckets. He knows exactly where we're at, and He says, "I want to do something inside of you anyway." And this is what we can do for our family. And this is why I don't. This is why I didn't mind when 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 Madden was two years old and she's throwing a fit in in the grocery store. I know people look at you funny, and they probably think I'm abducting her. And, uh, but it's okay. I'm working on something. It's okay. Like, I, I'm not so concerned. I'm not going to quick throw her a bucket of water so that she can eat. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in reaping. So I'm, I'm going to take some time to deal with this, not to sit down and bribe her. You know, you do this. I'll do this later at home. I'll give you all this. I'll give you that. No, no, we're, we're working through something. 
God doesn't mind when you throw a temper tantrum either because he's working on something. He, he knows you're, you're stuck, you're addicted to, to the bucket, but he wants to do something inside of you. Would you stand with me? We're going to get ready to be dismissed. Before we, before we are dismissed, I want to let you know of one harvest opportunity that we are um, taking advantage of uh, in, in August. Um, we have a prison ministry where we go uh, into the prison, Robbie Lane and uh, John and a couple of other guys go into the prison. And um, on August, I think it's August 5th, it's a Saturday, we're going to have another Day with Dads. We call it Day with Dads. And so the Day with Dads is where um, uh, I think it's 10 inmates get selected um, uh, based, on, based on their behavior. They get selected to be able to invite their girlfriends um, or wives and their kids to come for like five hours on a Saturday. And we set up games and face painting and um, minute to win it games. And uh, we have some singing. I do a little preaching, talk about the father heart of God. But the main point is to create a space where kids and incarcerated dads can spend time, FaceTime together. Because they don't often get that. And so I thought today would be a great day just to announce that. So I asked Robbie to set up a table. He's got a table out there. If you're interested in being a part of that, if you'd like to be a bucket to go into the Austin State Jail, uh, uh, the Austin County Jail, and uh, go, go in there, not, you know, not as a prisoner, but as uh, somebody who's visiting, and, um, and help pour some life into these dads and into these kids, we need you. I feel like the hour, the time is now. I don't think it's time to wait until we have the kinds of resources that we need. I think the time is now. Our kids, our Keep Kids Fed program has been growing. And um, actually, we, we, we heard from Betacheck Middle School up the road from here, a much larger school. They want us to do Keep Kids Fed in their school. And they told us that they would have 300 kids right away if we if we want to do it. I said, we don't. I said, we we're going to need some more people to adopt some more kids to keep kids fed. That's why Jesus said, pray that the Lord, pray to God that he would send buckets to this place, that he would send people to this place. Not just ready to receive, but ready to give, ready to pour out because the harvest is ready. People are hungry. People are ready. They're hungry physically. They're hungry spiritually. They're ready to receive from the church. Like, can you imagine, like the doors are opening up for the church, but is there any buckets ready to step into that door and pour themselves out? Is there anybody who's able and available to God to be filled up and to be emptied out? The time is now, even now, the sower and the reaper can, can rejoice together. Even now, Jesus said, I have food to eat that you don't know anything about. I, I have a fulfillment about, I have something on the inside that you don't know anything about. It comes from within. It comes from doing, not from dreaming, not from telling people in the church, we're going to do this one day and we'll be over there someday. And won't it be great someday? But no, right now we are going to do the works of the father. Right now we are going to do what he's calling us to do. And we're, we're not going to be a church that someday does evangelism. We're going to do evangelism right now. We're not going to be a church that someday worships we're going to worship right now. We're not going to be a church that someday does this or does that. We are not a someday church. We are a today church. And today, right now, we are going to do the works of the Father. We are going to do the thing. 
And if we got supplies and money, we're going to do it. If we run out of money, we're going to keep on doing it and believe that God provides money. We are going to do the thing. We're going to do it. We're going to do the works of God over and over and over and over again until this entire region is filled with the glory of God. Until we got all these buckets who are pouring themselves out and pouring themselves out and pouring themselves out. We're not concerned about titles. We're not concerned about who gets the credit. They don't need to know it's City Chapel. I don't care. Drop it off at their doorstep and run. It doesn't matter. We're going to feed people. We're going to take care of people because, because they got to. They have to hear from the church. The church has to step up at this time. This is the moment. This is now. And you can, yeah, you can gain a crowd by telling a bunch of people, this is what we're going to be, and won't it be great? No, what we're going to be is what we are. We are going to be a church that cares. We are going to be a church that tries. We're going to be a church that goes into McDonald's. I don't know if we're going to come out with anything, but we're going to go in. I don't know if we're going to be successful, but we're going to try. I don't know because they're worth it, because I see value in them. And I might not have a lot of buckets on the, on the outside, but I got something on the inside that's welling up inside of me. And that is enough to feed another person, to break chains off of somebody, to bring fulfillment of Jesus Christ to somebody. So we're going to do it. And if you want to get on board, God bless you. We need you. <laughs> Join us. Would you just raise your hand right now and just, just, just make yourself available. Lord, we just open up our arms to you and our eyes to you. We just accept. We want to receive everything that you have for us. But God, we want to reflect everything that you give to us. Teach us how to pour out what you've put in. Teach us how to, to empty ourselves of ourselves. Teach us, Lord, how to embrace others. Teach us how to stretch across cultural lines. Teach us how to stretch across religious boundaries. Teach us, Lord, that there's nobody that's too low or too high that doesn't need the love of God and the grace of God. Nobody has been discounted. Nobody has been excluded. The kingdom of heaven is for everyone. And so take us, take us into our jobs, take us into our families, take us in, take, take us into, take us into every atmosphere, into our neighborhoods, Lord. May we be buckets in our neighborhoods. We open our hands and our arms to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Uh, in that culture and especially in that er in that area she says our fathers worshiped on this mountain she's pointing to mount gerizim she said our fathers worshiped on mount gerizim and you jews say that in jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship she's asking him am i in the right place she sees that he's a prophet and she says there's this question that's really been bugging me because whenever you believe in a god of retribution the most fearful thing is to be in the wrong place Am I worshiping in the right way? Because I really want to. I really want to know I'm in the right place. I really want to know. I really wanna, am, am I doing the right thing? Like, no, no, seriously. I know. I know you told me last week, but but no, seriously. Like again, I need to know. I need to know. Am, 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 am I in the right place? Am I at the right mountain? Am I in the right place? Am I at the right mountain? This is what this is what you do when there's a God who's waiting with, with a frown on his face. Am I late again? Am I, am, I, am I missing something? Am I going to miss my moment? And she brings this up because this is important to her people. The whole Samaritan, actually Samaritan was a, was a, was a sect of religion. 
Now, that's why the Jews hated the Samaritans, because the Samaritans, about 900 years prior to this, uh, under, under Jeroboam's reign, he tried to divide the country, and he said he built a golden calf, of all things, and said, this is your God who brought you up out of Egypt, and he put him on the mountain. He said, don't go to Jerusalem to worship. Worship right here. Worship this golden calf. They created their own kind of sort of Judaism, but a little bit different religion. Based on the first five books of the Bible and nothing else. They rejected the prophets, the minor prophets, and uh, Psalms, and Proverbs, and all that kind of thing. And they only went off of the first five books. And so when she's asking him where they should worship, she is asking, am I, am I worshiping in the right way? Am I believing the right thing? Do I have the right doctrine? It's amazing how fearful people are that they might have the wrong doctrine. I'm not saying doctrine is not important, but it's amazing how the fear of, I got I to I gotta get this right. Gotta, I really got to get this right. And Jesus doesn't even say. He says to her, he says, woman, believe me. One of the few times Jesus ever says that to anybody. But he says, woman, please believe me. Woman actually sounds like he's being mean, but actually that means dear lady, sweet lady, please believe me. The hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You will worship the Father. The hour is coming when you... He said, that, that's, that, that's cool. We can talk about doctrine if you like. But lady, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship. Not on this mountain or that mountain. You're not going to be concerned about mountain. The hour is coming when you will simply worship. The hour is coming. You've called me a prophet. Now let me prophesy. The hour is coming... The hour, um, he, he, he first declared her past and he diagnosed her present. And then it was all to bring her to a discovery of her future. She can't see the tomorrow. She can't see past her pain. But Jesus looks up over the wall of her present and he looks into the future and he says, I see a lady right there and she is worshiping. She is a worshiper. She's got wounds, but she's still a worshiper. She's got a past, but she still is praising God. She's, she's had some pain in her life. But I can tell you right now that I can see something in you that you can't see in yourself. Woman, believe me. I know it doesn't make sense to you. I know you can't believe yourself and nobody else is telling you this, but you will worship the Father. Not in this mountain, not in that mountain. You will worship Him in the place of, uh, of your pain. You will worship Him in your home. You will worship Him in your grocery store. You will worship Him on your job. You will worship. You will worship. You will be a worshiper. Believe me. I see it in you. It's in you. Life has beaten it out of you, but it's still in you. You will be a worshiper. <laughs> he speaks to her and he says, you call me a prophet. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Let me tell you about tomorrow. Let me tell you about the next day. Let me and I, I, we've been talking about your past and that's good and everything, but that's all cleared up. And your present is just one simple decision away. You will be a worshiper. Something about that statement shook her. Next week, we're going to wrap it up. Would you close your eyes right now and just bow your head with me? I feel like the Lord's speaking to somebody about your past, about your present, and about your future. I think God is able to deal with all three of those in one moment, in one conversation, in one statement. Basically, he summed up her life. He summed up her life in one conversation. She had a past of disappointment, of rejection, of betrayal, of loss. She had a present of compromise, but she had a future of worship. She had a future where God was going to take everything she had been through and he was going to use it for his glory so that 2,000 years later, we would still be finding ourselves in this woman's story. We would still be finding ourselves right there in her shoes. And God has been waiting 
for you to find yourself in that story, to find your story in his word. He's been waiting. Lord, I pray that you would change our mindset of who you are and what your natural condition is toward us, what your predisposition is toward us. We don't have to argue with you. And Jesus didn't argue with you because Jesus is you. You don't argue with yourself. <laughs> you were on that cross. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit were on the cross dying for the sins of the world. To take our sins outside of the camp. To take our sins, not the wrath, but the sins. You don't have an attitude problem toward us. You're not angry toward us. You're not looking to get even. You don't need, you don't need to be appeased. You don't need to be satisfied you are satisfied in yourself you're happy in yourself and you want us to be a part of that joy you invite us into that so if you'd like to receive the free gift of salvation the gift of salvation whereby jesus takes our sins and nails them to the cross and you have a clean slate would you just raise your hand and say, I want to pray a prayer with you today. I want to accept that. I want to receive that and step into that. That's awesome. That's awesome, yeah. Cool, you can put your hands down. Now, let's, let's just pray with me. Say, say, let's, let's all just say this together. Say, dear God, I need you. Forgive me for going my own way. Thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and for your love that started the whole thing. I now receive the blood of Jesus into my life. Come live inside of me. Change my thoughts. Change my heart. Help me to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah.